Well, let's uh, let's open our Bibles to John chapter thirteen. There's a lot to say here, a lot to cover this morning. I'm kind of hoping. I'm always maybe more, way more optimistic than I ought to be, um, given my past. Um, but I am hoping that we can get through this outline today and uh, and move forward. Not that uh, that this is bad. I, I don't want to rush it, but we have been in here for I think about four sessions now, right? So um, we need to to move forward. There's so much more ahead, right? As as good as it is that we, what we've been looking at. Uh, the love of God, uh, the, the unmixed, unmitigated, um, pure love that Christ had, right? Not mixed with any hidden motives or, you know, pretentiousness, any of that kind of, uh, of stuff that our love is, that we give and that we receive in this life um, is so often uh, true. But Jesus is demonstrating what Paul uh, says in Philippians 2, right? And he ad admonishes um, the Philippians and us as well to have that same mind in ourselves, right? So we've been looking at this. And it's been a, a big challenge for me. I hope it has for you. Um, you know, whenever you teach something, that really, um, it should anyway, impact your life first. And and uh, and so I'm, I'm, it's a lot in my mind. This humble uh, love of the Lord himself. So we're going to continue looking at that as he's washing their feet here, demonstrating. Remember that um, Luke tells us right before this that there was that argument among themselves as to who would be the greatest in the kingdom. They are on cloud nine as they come into this room um, because of the excitement that's been going on in Jerusalem as more and more God-fearing Jews are, are, are gathering for the Passover and the disciples are convinced that this is it, right? He was welcomed with such enthusiasm. He's cleansed the temple again a second time. He's multiple days in the temple. They're healing, and and uh, and, and he's had, uh, again, when you compare all the Gospels, multiple confrontations with leaders, different groups. He put the Pharisees in their place, the Sadducees, the Herodians, these, all these guys, right? He's put them in their place, and the people... Um, the the Pharisees were pretty popular with the people. They were sort of more of a um, almost a religious civic group kind of, you know. Uh, but the Sadducees, uh, i.e., the chief priests, were not quite so. They had a very corrupt system, right? And that's what Jesus hits head on when he when he cleanses the temple. And so the people are very enthusiastic about that and excited. And uh, John has just hinted at that in prior chapters. Well, the disciples are, you know, of course, chapter 11, the raising of Lazarus, right? And, and, and the crowd, the influential crowd that is there to see that. Uh, and so all of this momentum is continuing, and, and it's, it seems to be persisting, because uh, Lazarus was about, maybe raising Lazarus about two months before, right? And then, and then um, the, the people are still excited. Again, very influential uh, people in in uh, Jerusalem, in the immediate Judean area that had been there to see that, we're still very gung-ho, and John tells us that in chapter 12, that, that they're stirring up the excitement of more and more of these God-fearing Jews who are coming to Jerusalem. So I think it's important, again, to set that, that background a lot, remind ourselves of this, because we know where this is going, right? We have 2,000 years of history. We look back, and we see it from our point of view, but 
it's very important we see it from their point of view um, <clears throat> because uh, if you do, then what Jesus is telling them and how they react and everything in these chapters will make a lot more sense. Okay? Um, and so uh, that's that's our background. <clears throat> so let's um, let's read uh, starting with verse one. So we're gonna we're gonna just hop through really quick points one and two on our outline. Everybody have notes, by the way. I, I printed out some extra, uh, one extra one this morning. Everybody good with notes? Yeah. Okay. That's it. Speaking of here, that's on my Okay. Uh, if we do need some, they're I'm ready. ready. Yeah, they're ready. All right, um, chapter 13, verse beginning in verse 1. <clears throat> Point number one, our outline is the first three verses, okay? John sets the stage for the upper room discourse. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end, to the uttermost, okay, to the max. During supper, when the devil had already put, put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, arose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and, taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin, began to wash the disciples' feet, and to wipe them with the towel with which uh, that was wrapped around him. Okay, so that's where we've been. That's points one and two on our outline. The second, second point there is Jesus humbles himself an example of self-sacrifice and love. Again, remember this is happening, I believe, against the backdrop of what he had just rebuked them for arguing about who is to be the greatest. And he says that powerful statement at the top of our notes. Yet I am among you as one, the one who serves. Okay. And uh, it's such a powerful, powerful scene there. It's hard to, to overemphasize it. And, you know, um, John just, I mean, he repeats that idea again, knowing that, that he has come from heaven and he's going back to heaven. Remember, this is not just an ordinary man, but this is, God in flesh, right? He is He is God. He's the creator who has stepped into creation and become a part of the human race. No less God, right? But limiting himself and submitting himself to the Father's plan and the Father's provision for that plan, by the way. Okay. So um, I, I believe that it is the power of the Holy Spirit that enabled him to do the miracles. In other words, he didn't lean on his own power to do that, so glory, even though he did have that. Um, but he, that's what I believe Paul is telling us in Philippians 2 there, where he set that aside and submitted himself to the Father's plan and the Father's provision through the Holy Spirit. So does that mean that Jesus, I mean, can Jesus heal anybody whether they have faith or not? Sure. Well, yeah. yeah, it's not a faith issue. It's God has the authority to do whatever he wants. Thank God that he does, right? Mm -hmm. Because we don't naturally have faith to believe the gospel. Nobody would be saved. If he didn't intervene in your life to 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 open your eyes, like uh, at chapter nine, right? That that man was born blind, 
feed them after help. Jesus says, you know, he heals them. And then, and then not only as we saw, remember when we unpacked that chapter, not only does his does his physical eyes get open, but his more importantly, his spiritual eyes get open, right? So yeah, it, yeah. Don't don't think that there is a false belief out there that God is limited uh, by the faith of the person. No, 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 no. His authority is what it is. You know, we'd be in bad shape if that was. Yeah. Well, it's confusing when you read verses like uh, in his hometown he wasn't able to do that many miracles because of lack of faith. Yeah, because the miracles, not because he was limited by their faith. But the miracles were there to point to who he was, to 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 encourage those who had faith, to validate him, uh, and to validate their faith in him. Okay, so that's that's the issue there. It's important that we understand. Well, thank you for asking that. Okay, if if it were if it were the case that the faith meter was too low in his hometown to do miracles, then he would have been able to do none. But it doesn't say that since he was able to do a few miracles because of that faith. And Larry has pointed out, he's right many times too, that it's it really is a a a uh, an act of mercy on the Lord, the Lord's part, because remember he rebukes them, he rebukes Gorson, he rebukes uh, uh, um, Bethsaida as well, those villages. Um, and he says it'll be more tolerable in the day of judgment for Sodom and Gomorrah. And for you guys, because if the miracles that have been performed in you have been performed in those cities, they would remain to this day. Meaning that the more miracles that he did, the more they're going to be held accountable for. And the lack of faith, which the miracles are, are designed to, you might say they don't, miracles don't bring faith, saving faith, but they enhance it, they prove, they prove it. Um, but when, they, when they're fighting the Holy Spirit and saying no, uh, then he backs away from those miracles because he's not there to entertain. That's what we should do too. If someone's not interested in the Bible, we shouldn't keep pushing it, right? Mm -hmm. Because we're gonna make we're gonna heap more judgment on them the more they hear and the more they reject than if we just don't say anything. If they're not listening to you about God and talk to God about that. Right. Well, the, yeah, a lot of times you've got to go by there's a there's a Holy Spirit leading you to this. It's not it's not just your man made Thing, and I've got to do this, I've got to drive through that. But if God is prompting that and He opens up that opportunity, then that's when you, that's when you do it. That's when you do. And there are times too, you know, you're you're gonna to have to say things that aren't popular and and, and uh, but we're not here to to win arguments, right? We're here to to honor the Lord and let him do what he wants with the word of God in people's lives. But yes, you're right. It, it is it is a little it is an act of mercy in our part. And we just say, okay, I'm not going to give you any more the word of God. You have to answer. They're going to have to answer for it. All right. Um, so uh, verses one through three. Okay, just just some quick thoughts as we we work our way quickly through this and, and head toward Peter's. Conversation, Lord. Okay. Um, I want you to notice in verse one again. I don't think I've made a point out of this last couple of times, but it says that Jesus knew his hour had come to depart out of this world, having loved his own who were in the world. Right. So those two statements, right back to back, are telling us this: 
Jesus is getting ready to leave. Okay, bless you. Um, in verse 33, that's particularly when he hits them with a gut punch, where he says, as I told the Jews where I'm going, I'm going away, whereas I told the Jews before where I'm going, you cannot come. Okay, it really devastates them. Okay. Well, John is giving us a little preview here, but don't miss that second part where it says that he loved his own who were in the world, right? So this is weighing heavy on his heart as he talks to them in these four chapters, and then as he prays for them in the fifth chapter, chapter 17, okay? This is a big theme, okay? It's weighing heavy on his heart. He loves them, and he knows that he is getting ready to go back to the Father, but they are going to stay behind. And so, especially when we get to chapter 17, and he prays for them, his concern is, Father, for these that are still in the world, I pray that you'll protect them, and that you'll watch over them. Don't take them out of the world, but keep them from the evil one, okay? And so that's that's important. I just wanted to draw that attention. There. Then uh, the, there's the ugliness of the blackness of, of Judas's heart in contrast to the Lord, right? Here's the Lord in... in the Lord of glory, okay, I, I thought it was a thought I had earlier that we didn't finish, but here's the Lord of glory, God in flesh, the creator himself, the eternal one stepping into space and time, right, and lowering himself to this level, okay? But remember, he's, even as, as humble as, as, uh, as he is here washing their feet, he still has a few more steps down to go, right? He's going to go all the way to the cross. He's going to be mistreated. He's going to be going to be betrayed, uh, mistreated by both the Jews and the Romans. Right? He's going to be misunderstood. His disciples will abandon him. Peter um, will 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 deny him, and so forth. Right? There's a lot more to come. A lot more to come. But this is the way of the cross. This is the way that God has chosen to glorify Himself. And what an odd way to do it, right? It's not the way that we would think. And certainly not the way the disciples were ready for either. It's very important we remember that, okay? They were expecting the exaltation of the king, you know, anytime. They were not expecting this humiliation. But here he is doing that. And, and it's a contrast with the ugly, black, uh, self-serving um, uh, betrayal of Judas there in verse 2. And then, of course, verse 3 that he, he knew, he knew where he was going. He's about to be on the other side of the cross and the, and the, and the empty tomb, the resurrection, comes the glorification. He knows he's going back to the place of highest authority, right? Or highest, well, he's already got the authority. We saw that, right? But he's, he's going back to, to the highest place of exaltation and glory. Yet here he is humbling himself to the lowest place, the lowest slave in the household, uh, would occupy. Okay, and we saw that um, verses four and five last time. He rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments, right? And then he takes that towel. And we talked about that that visual of you know um, not only of authority and how that works, right? Where you you're taking off uh, the you know when a judge, for example, uh, steps into um, his or her role for the day as judge, they put on a robe, right? We talked about that, right? Or a police officer will will put on their their uniform with a badge and a gun and everything, right? And that's 
that's all those are all visual cues to help us understand that that person is in a role of authority right <clears throat> and so when i was a kid we used to sing well i used to hear that song song in church I'll crown him with many crowns right and i was trying to picture how many crowns he could fit on his head you know <laughs> this thing tottering up here but but it's it's not literally many crowns what it's saying is many roles right that, that he is the sufficient one he he is the one that um that's where all those i am's come in right and we're going to see two more of them as we go through these the two final ones as we go through these chapters um that he is he is uh, fully sufficient he is god's solution doesn't need to add anything uh, to the to the work of christ um and he's in a role now right what role does he have right now what role does Jesus have? What role does Jesus have? He's our intercessor. He's in our, our intercessor, right? Um, which is, and we're going to see that too, that there's another intercessor too here on this side with us, the Holy Spirit. Okay, He's called helper three times. And uh, the paracletos, so we'll look at that, um, what that means. But that's basically a court term as well. It's a character witness. Come in. So anyway, um, God is, he's got you covered. <laughs> Okay, his solution is sufficient. Okay, to put it mildly, there isn't anything to be added to it. So the Lord is—he rises from supper. But anyway, so he he takes off his outer robe. Okay, which is which is a picture of him laying aside the privileges of glory and the privileges of of Lord and Master, and then he puts on the garments of the servant, which not only in that moment uh, a, a picture. The, the humiliation in that exact moment, but also as a beautiful image of what he did in the larger picture, right? Of stepping down from the, the glory that he had with the Father from the beginning and, and coming in, taking on flesh, right? And uh, chapter one, verse 14, right? He, he put on flesh, dwelt among us, tabernacled with us, you know, he put on the the role of, 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 a, of a human being and even not just any human being, but humiliated himself, hum humbled himself, I'll say, humbled himself to the point of, of death on the cross, right? So so that that's a very significant picture there. It's a beautiful picture of what, what uh, his whole ministry, really. Okay? So then uh, verse 5, he poured water into a basin, began to wash the disciples' feet, and to wipe, wipe them with a towel, uh, it was wrapped around him. Um, they had, the Jews would commonly have, uh, at, especially at, at a feast like this, where it was very important to be clean. Remember the day before would have, would, would have been, um, I'm trying to remember the name of it, but it's, it's the day of uh, um, purification, right? So they would, they would have gone through, all the Jewish people would have gone through their, their homes where they're going to have the Passover meal the day before, and they would have cleaned it very thoroughly. And, and they particularly are obeying the law that says to get rid of all the leaven in your house, right? Leaven pictures sin, right? And the Lord Jesus himself had just done that in the Father's house a few days earlier, right? He goes in and the house again. So they would have water there, um, in usually some large stone jars, plenty of water and for purification. And he pours that out and begins to wash their feet. And as, as Dad rightly said, um, first his rebuke, and now this example has quieted them. 
they're beginning to feel very different than what they had been just a few moments earlier, right? Where they're all on cloud nine and feeling full of themselves and and uh, are absolutely sure that the kingdom is coming, you know, and his popularity is growing and, and all of this, uh, and, and it's quiet. Text you know. doesn't say that explicitly, but I think that's, that's a very safe uh, 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 conclusion to come to here because Peter, and this is where we are now, Peter breaks that silence in, in, in verse 6. They were embarrassed. They were embarrassed. And we see that in Peter's uh, conversation here with the Lord that, that he very often Peter would he was the one guy uh, you know when you're in school right you always have that one student that asks the question that's on everybody's mind but they're too afraid to they don't they don't want to look stupid you know and so Peter was that one guy who would do that very frequently and that's what I think is going on here Starting in verse six, okay. But they all they remember they're all included in this. In fact, um uh what Jesus says here at the end of our little conversation, verse um verse 10, there where he says, um, the last statement of verse 10, he says, You are clean, but not every one of you. That's a plural you in the Greek. So you could say y'all, okay, or if you have a, a King James version, it would have the word ye there. Uh, that's one word that I wish we still had in English because we don't have a plural. It's all you, singular and plural, second person. But uh, but that's what it is in Greek. So he's speaking to everybody here when he's talking about that. That's why I think that Peter is expressing what is on everybody's mind. Okay. okay. All right. So let's continue. Uh, any thoughts, real quick? I know I'm doing a lot of talking here, but any questions, thoughts? Don't bother. <laughs> As I look at the Jews and I look at us, I'm glad we don't have all these symbolic things that we have to do. Even like killing the animal, going through the house and and then cleansing everything. You know, we do we do that uh, through prayer, which is which is pretty simple compared to what they do. You know, Jesus has made it very simple. Uh, the kind of the the cross, you know, just just looking back at all the things that the Jews had to do, and we, I just follow that and just, and just talking about it. I like to say the gospel travels well. It's almost as if he knows that it's got to go to all these different cultures in, in the world uh, at a time, and. Uh, um, you know what I'm saying? And I don't want to say adapts to the cultures because that we don't adapt the, the gospel to culture, but it, it it doesn't it doesn't come with a lot of you know if it did come with all of that extra ceremonial, it'd be really not that the, the Lord can say can't save people in these different cultures, but it would take so long to teach them and inculcate them that uh, to, to yeah, if you're right, right. We're given two sacraments, right? The you know, sacrament of baptism and the Lord's Supper. And, and that's it. Um, but not to say that it's simplistic, right? But it is simple in the sense of those ceremonies or outward practices that are commanded. Good point. Any other thoughts? All right. Well, let's let's press on. Uh, point number three. 
Peter's reaction to the foot washing. That's our outline point number three. Um, let's have somebody read those verses. That would be six through 11, please. When he came to Simon Peter, he said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, what I do, you do not realize now, but you will understand hereafter. Peter said to him, never shall you wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, then wash not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, he who has bathed these only to wash his feet, but is completely clean, and you are clean, but not all of you. For he knew the one who was betraying him. And for this reason, he said, not all of you. Yep. Thank you. All right, let's start with verse six there. He came to Simon Peter. So mm -hmm. apparently from the gospels, the best I could tell, wherever Jesus is sitting, uh, uh, seated at this table. And remember, when I say seated, it's not sitting at a table in chairs like weird thinking, but right, it's reclining at, at the table. The table would be low, they'd be reclining on pillows. That's why it was particularly important to wash their feet, right? Uh, your feet would be near somebody else's head. It probably didn't always smell very good. So uh, it, was, it was just a, you know, uh, uh, an important thing to do anyway but so the lord gets up here and uh, uh he goes around now apparently wherever he's seated he's um uh, john is on his right okay because it says that that john was able to lean back on his chest and, and ask him a question quietly about who was going to be betrayed him so john would have to be right there nearby and apparently judas was on his left Oh, no. Okay, because he was able to dip and, and give it to him. It could have been maybe a, a spot down, but he wouldn't have been very far away. It wouldn't have been like you know had to get up the ground, walk around, and share the bread. And usually, uh, the way they would they would eat there <clears throat> with having some bread and dip it in the sock, uh, almost like a I always think chips and salsa. That's just made. But but you know you if you're going to do that, you're not going to share it with somebody that's on the other side of the room, right? It's going to be somebody right there next to you. So those two guys. Apparently, then Peter's not too far away. We don't know how exactly far. Maybe he's on the other side of John because he apparently nudges him. Uh, in John's account, he's going to tell us that. Ask him who it is that's going to betray him, right? So, um, how, however, wherever Peter was in the order of things, the implication here seems to be that the Lord has made his way around the room for, for quite a bit before he gets to Peter, okay? And, and I like what Dad said the other day. Somebody else, I guess, was a preacher that said that. Um, you can almost see as the Lord finishes with one disciple and goes to the next, Peter's feet are getting a little more pulled under it, you know. And, and Peter, by this point, has had time to think about what he's going to say. <laughs> and he knows better, apparently, than to say right, right up front, you're going to wash my feet. Right, that probably would have been the first response that Peter would have given, but he's had a little time and he's respectful here, okay? Because notice how he starts his question, Lord, right? Greek word karyos, okay? You that that is significant in itself. Okay, he could have chosen anything, he could have said Jesus, he could have said uh, teacher, 
but he chose Lord, Pastor, uh, chose Lord because uh, that's the place of, of highest authority, right? And, 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 and recognition. Uh, you're the Lord of the feast. What are you doing in the role of the lowest servant? That's not for you to do, right? He knows that. And again, they all know that. And, and John, and we don't have to guess because the Lord himself is going to say that. He says, you call me Lord and Master and, and Teacher, and, and you're right for doing that. Um, <clears throat> for so I am. <clears throat> they all knew that. They all knew that he was the last one in the room by rights that should be doing this, right? It should have been one of them doing it, but they aren't doing it, and they're they're embarrassed and ashamed by that. And Peter vocalizes what everybody's thinking here um, and says, Lord, do you wash my feet? Okay, in kind of a, a question format. It's a little bit disrespectful. It's not, you know, Peter, you know, never let a cross, right? He does do that. That's Luke's gospel. We looked at that earlier. But um He's a little respectful here, but he's he is not he's not on board with this. And again, like I said, I think this is because it was a rebuke to the fire. And it's you know when when somebody is doing the thing you know you should have been doing, and then oh no, I'll get it, I'll get it, I'll do it. That's that's what we do. And, and Peter's like no 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 no. Now look at how Jesus answers him in verse seven. Jesus answered him. What I am uh, going to do, you do not understand now, but afterward, you will understand. Okay. What does he mean by afterward, you will understand? Um, after what? After the Holy Spirit. I think it's after the Holy Spirit. Yes. Yeah. It, the, the, the light, it wasn't an immediate switch. Okay. They're all, the Lord, <clears throat> here's, here's an important point. Because, and this took me a long time to see this, okay? But the physical washing that he's doing here with physical water is a symbol of the spiritual washing that he's been doing for them, okay? And is going to continue doing through these chapters. He's going to continue washing them through these chapters. I'll show you that here in just a second, okay? He's going to continue cleaning them spiritually. And it's going to continue on the other side of the resurrection where he gets together with them and he's going to open the word to them and show them uh, uh, from the Old Testament all those places that, that spoke about him. And he's going to help them understand that. Okay. But it's going to, what he's going to tell them here in these chapters is uh, when I, when I, complete this work and I'm ascended all the way to the Father, I'll send the Holy Spirit and he will bring to your remembrance everything that I've taught you and continue to teach you. He will teach you. Okay. So yes, you're you're right. <clears throat> Afterward. And especially so after the resurrection, things begin to really start to click a little bit. But but even when we read in Acts, the very beginning of Acts at the amount of ascension is he even as he's about ready to ascend to the Father. Lord at this time are you going to restore the kingdom? Right? Still quite haven't got there yet. So yes, I think you're right, Larry. It's afterwards, after when the Holy Spirit comes, that they begin to really understand. We're kind of slow. What? So we're kind of slow. We are. Yes. Yeah. Even Peter gets to realize that the Gentiles are doing out of some access. 
coming down and goes to Cornelius's house and sees the Holy Spirit poured out on these uncircumcised Gentiles, you know, uh, even after that, you know, um, Paul says in Galatians that he had to correct people publicly, right? He was still, he was still struggling with, with that. You're right, Larry. It does take a while, you know, which, which is good news for us, too. Because, uh, raise your hand if you're, um, your mindset and your behavior always 100% matches your doctor. Not lastly, one is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I better put my hand down too. It most certainly does not. Okay. Most certainly does not. Yeah, we, we have to keep, that's why we keep, keep gathering together, right? And edifying one of those, Larry says many times. We, we grow together because we have to remind ourselves of these things again and again um, because we're so wired and our culture uh, pushes us in these different That's Really what Paul is saying in, in, in the beginning of the application section of Romans chapter 12 where he says, uh, do not let the world continue to squeeze you into its mold, right? <clears throat> Therefore, in view of God's mercy, uh, present your bodies, living sacrifices, do not the better the translation is do not allow the world to continue to squeeze you into its mold right? be transformed in your thinking in other words um, the perspective the way that we think is is constantly being hammered and shaped and pushed and squeezed by the world you know to think a certain way to see things a certain way and we have to consciously put that aside and take on this transformed mind that Paul said Philippians 2, have this mind in you, which is in Christ, right? <clears throat> All right, so um, he says here, uh, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, but I do not, uh, I'm sorry, <clears throat> back to verse 7. What I'm, what I'm uh, doing, you do not understand, but afterward you will understand, okay? Um, now, he's going he's gonna to explain this to them more clearly here in a few verses, all right? But uh, it's still not going to really, as you said, Larry, it's still not going to really sink in. And it took a long, long time. Uh, but, but Peter does get the point eventually, right? When you read First and Second Peter, as we've looked at several times, you know, um, uh, First Peter 5 is just one example where Peter's very humbly just saying, you know, as a fellow elder, I adore you elders in the church, you know, you learn the chief shepherd, feed the flock, right? Um, all of that. Um, he, he, does, he does get this. He does understand it uh, eventually. So verse 8 now, let's move on. Peter said to him, you will never wash my feet. Maybe he didn't say it that way, but that's the impression. Ooh, never, never. That's a strong negative, okay? No way. Okay? These other guys, they were fighting there still, right? He did these other guys. They didn't say anything, but I'm going to stand up for what's right here. Put my foot down. You're not washing Notice how the Lord responds to him. Still continuing in verse 8. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no 
your translation says part, I guess that's NASB, right? Uh, this one is ESV and it says you have no share with me. Is there a different word out there? Uh, verse, eight. verse eight, latter part of verse eight. And no part or share with me. You won't belong to me. You won't belong to me. Well, he said, if you don't, you can't be my partner. Can't be my partner. This is a, a term in the Greek. That word part <clears throat> is a term that is translated uh, in many different ways. Let me see if I can pull up my app here that has all those different ways, okay? And um, so in the Gospels, it's translated at times regions, like the regions of Galilee or the district of Tyre and Sidon, the district of, of Caesarea Philippi, okay? Or here in Matthew 24, 51, in that uh, it's twice, appears twice there, assign him a place with the hypocrites. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, okay? Um in Mark, it's translated district one time. Uh, here's here was something that's interesting. Uh, in Luke 15, 12, okay, this is the parable of the uh what we call popularly the prodigal son, right? It's uh there are actually two sons that were, were prodigal there and the radical love of the father, but whatever. Okay, so Luke 15, 12, the younger of them, that's the, the one that, that runs off to live how he wants for a while, right? Finds out otherwise. But the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the, here's our word, share of the estate that falls to me. So he divided his wealth between them. Okay. So the point I'm trying to make is that this word has to do with a part or portion of something. So it could be translated as, as we saw, it parts of a land like a district, you know, that a ruler has authority over. Okay, so you're not just this massive land, but it's divided up like we do today. You know, we have states and we have counties and you have cities, and we divide our land up into smaller and smaller pieces. Okay, but I particularly like that how it's used in, in Luke 15 there uh, because it helps us understand more of what Jesus is saying here. Remember that in Luke's account, just after he rebukes them for arguing who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom, he does say to them, but I'm going to give you a kingdom, right? And you're going to sit with me and rule me, and, and rule with me, and rule the 12 tribes with me. He does say that to them. And so that's kind of still in the back of Peter's mind as he's sitting, sitting here. And what Jesus is saying is, look, <clears throat> this kingdom that, that, that you know that I'm Lord of, right, um, there is there is a portion for you. I have a role for you, Peter. I have a I have a part for you there. Um, and, and it can also mean he's going to tell them in in uh, chapter fourteen, I'm going to prepare a place for you. Right. So so there is a place. You have a, not just a place to live, but you have a role in my kingdom. Okay. You have a place in God's kingdom. And what what that all of that is captured in this. Simple statement that Jesus says to him, if I never, uh, if I do not wash you, you're not going to get there. You're not going to get to that portion of my kingdom that I have for you. Well, what is Jesus saying here? Is he saying that 
If I don't wash your feet, Peter, you're not going to heaven. Well, if you stop reading there, yeah, you might think so. But we don't stop reading there, right? We don't continue. It, that's not, we don't wash each other's feet today. Foot washing or washing your body has nothing to do with salvation, right? Mm -hmm. um, baptism. In fact, by, by the way, Peter picks up on this in his epistles where he says, um, you know, so baptism saves us, not the removal of dirt from the body, right? But the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But it's symbolic of spiritual cleansing. It is exactly right, and that's what Jesus is going to. Yeah, and, yeah. and he's talking about it. And if he doesn't, that he's going to have to do the cleansing, not anyone else. When he when he is, is that uh, that that cleanses your sin. Exactly right. Exactly right. And yet, uh, oh, I lost something. Okay. Yeah, you're right, Vicky. That's right. And and we know that because he's going to tell us this, right? And we're going to look at one other verse here in a second that that absolutely clears that up if there's any still any doubt. I like Peter's response. Well, just wash my feet, wash everything. Right, okay. So verse nine, right? Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not only my feet, but my hands and my head. See, what Jesus just said a second ago, you don't understand this now, but you will later is exactly right, right? Because Peter, he's still thinking physical washing, right? He's still thinking physical water, physical body. Yeah, yeah you're right. So it's kind of funny to see Peter's reaction, right? Yo, let me wash my feet. Lord, wash me all over, right? I mean, the, that's Peter, right? One extreme to the next. One extreme to the next, exactly. Uh, which, which, which is kind of... Kind of cool in a way because in his own, you know, in his own way, Peter loves the Lord, right? He does. He loves the Lord. That's why it crushed him to hear, and he did not want to hear it. He didn't want to even believe the Lord. And the Lord told him twice, and he still didn't want to believe it, and he was going to deny him. Okay? I will never deny you. The Lord, Peter loved the Lord, and so he's like, oh, if you got to wash me, bring it on. Let's take a, let's douse me from head to toe, okay, right, he loves the Lord, but he's just not getting it, he's just not understanding it, exactly like you said, Vicky. this is a spiritual washing, and so we see that in verse 9, um, I'm sorry, verse 10, <clears throat> verse 9 is, Lord, Simon Peter says, Lord, not my feet, but also my hands and my head, and in verse 10, Jesus said to him, the one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. Okay. As I mentioned earlier, uh, that word that uh, translated there, you, that is plural. It is actually a footnote in my Bible to note that as well. And it's no. that's important. It's important. It's important enough for the translators to put a little footnote in there um, uh, to let us know. If you have a King James, uh, it, it is ye. Okay, I looked that up. Ye. Which is the old English, older, not old English, but but it's it's the it's um, it's the second person plural is what that is. Okay, so he's not just talking to Peter. Okay, all the disciples are listening to this conversation, and and Jesus is saying to them, not just Peter now, but you all are clean. Okay. 
You all are clean, but not every one of you. Well, if you're still thinking that he's talking about physical washing, you're, you're going to be confused by that because he's washing all of their feet, right? And they've all cleansed. It was that was part of the the ceremony, or part of all the preparation. The day, like I said, the days before, not only did you clean the room, but you cleaned your body too, right? You you got clean for Passover. You had you know. The, the, the traditions and the law is very clear about that. You don't come dirty to this feast. And so uh, clearly Jesus is speaking about something else, something beyond the physical washing. Um, and uh, so just hold your finger there and let's take a look. And this, uh, this nails it down, absolutely nails it down. Because what I want you to see now is that word clean, okay, uh, is not... Uh, that's used twice there in verse 10, okay? That same Greek word is used again in two chapters, in chapter 15, verse 3. So hold your finger there and turn to the right a page or two uh, and uh, look at uh, verse uh, 3 of chapter 15. Actually, let's back up. Let's read the first three verses, okay? Chapter 15, beginning verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears, that, that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are what? Clean. Uh, good, good translations will say that because of the word I've spoken to you. That same word, actually in a slightly different form, uh, the, the ESV in the verse right before says he prunes. Uh, the uh, Legacy Standard Bible translates those verses the best because it it, it, it captures that. It's actually uh, every branch in me that bears fruit, he cleans. He cleans. So this idea, so what I'm trying to get to is this, this idea of cleansing um, that, that Jesus there in chapter 15 pictures with this idea of a vine dresser going through the, through the vineyard and, and going to each vine and, and looking things over. And with his experienced mind, he knows where to cut, right? And to, and to prune. We understand that. And if you've had any uh, experience with, with landscaping or gardening in any way, you know that you got to do that. Right? There's there are branches in your favorite bush that die, you know, or it gets too it gets overgrown. You just got to cut it back at times. Or maybe like a few years ago, we ripped all of our stuff out and replaced it with a whole bunch of new things. And and uh, you just you got to do that. You got to keep after it. That's the idea going on in, in in there. But notice especially verse three how. Is that cleansing happening? By the word. By the word. And notice that it's the Father who's doing the cleansing. Mm. Wow. So Jesus has come. He's been preaching the gospel, right, from the Father. The words I've spoken to you are not mine, but from him who sent me. Again and again and again, he has this message. He's been cleaning. And the Father has, through the Holy Spirit, been working in lives and hearts and minds 
And <clears throat> what Jesus is telling him back in chapter, both here in chapter 15 and in our verse uh, in chapter 13, is that when he says you are all you all are already clean, you all are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you, when you put all that together, they are already being saved. That's what he's saying. Okay. Clearly, um, it's not just the physical washing, but uh, Vicki, you're absolutely right. Okay. Uh, there, this is a spiritual cleansing, and it's done by the Father through the Holy Spirit. What I want you to see then is let's you say I'm going to need some more proof, okay? Well, unfortunately, out of time, but I want to show you this because I want to finish this thought, okay? Go back for a second, uh, still in the Gospel of John now, but go back to chapter three. And uh, as I recently was going back and, and looking at all the places in the Gospel of John where the Holy Spirit is mentioned, and uh, and I saw something cool in here that I, I want to share with us because it's very it's very um, germane to this idea of the washing by the water of the word. Okay, <clears throat> so chapter three, uh, Jesus is having a conversation with whom? Nicodemus, right? The, the teacher in Israel, as Jesus calls him. Um, and he says to him, uh, verse 2, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. No one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him, right? That's the purpose of miracles, was to validate the message and the messenger. Uh, <clears throat> Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Verse 4, Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time to his mother's womb and be born? Of course, Nicodemus knows that. He, what he's driving at is, I don't, I don't follow you yet, Jesus. You know, I don't quite understand where you're going with this. Help me understand. And so in verse 5, he does. He explains it more fully. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of what? Water, Water and of spirit. You cannot enter the kingdom of God. You can't believe how many different explanations there are out there for what he means. Oh, well, you know, a lot of people say, well, he's talking about being, you know, born with flesh first, you know, because you're when you're born, you're, there's a lot of water that comes out. I mean, we even say today, water broke, you know, and the pregnant woman's about to deliver. Um, but that's not it, clearly not what he means. Okay. And let me show you that if you look uh, one more chapter over uh, in a conversation that he has with a very different person. Right, this time it's the Samaritan woman. Uh, chapter four, next chapter over. Woman at the well, right? The Samaritan woman at the well. Uh, and then particularly um, verse 10. Okay. So remember that the the uh, the point that Jesus is making here, he says he's asked for a drink, right? And they're there, she's there to draw water out of the well. And he asked for a drink, and, and she's blown away by that. And, and he says to her, uh, verse 10, if you knew the gift of God, and who it is that uh, the saints you give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you what? Living water. Living water. Oh. So now we get sort of a qualifier, a superlative added to this. <clears throat> um, let's look then. What does, it, what does Jesus mean by living water? Well, that, can be, that becomes clear when we look a few more chapters over Again, keep moving to the right into chapter 7 now. And let's look at verses 30 
7 through 39. Remember chapter 7? Good to see you guys. Chapter 7 through 10 happened at the uh, uh, the Feast of, of Booths, right? Feast of Tabernacles. And there were two principal signs with the Feast of Tabernacles. The, the, in the morning, they would have that water ceremony, right? And the evening, they would have a ceremony of lighting the lamps in the temple, right? So there's water and light are very important ceremonies, symbols, you might say, of this particular feast. And here Jesus is uh, in chapter 7, verse 37. He says, on the, on the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of what? Living. Living water. Oh, I wonder what that means. Oh, well, John helps us because the next verse, okay? 39. Now this he said about who? The Spirit. The Spirit. Whom those who believed in him were to receive, whereas yet the Spirit had not been given because Jesus died. Yeah, then glorify. Okay. Here's what I want us to say. The water of the word of God becomes living when the Holy Spirit takes it and applies it into the heart. That's what that is. So whenever you see that concept in the New Testament about living water, that is a symbol of the Holy Spirit using the word of God to do what. God wants to accomplish what he wants. That's what he has in mind here with the foot washing when he's telling them, you know, you know, if I don't wash you, you have no part in me. You, in other words, you're not going to get to the kingdom of God if you don't uh, get washed by the living water, the Holy Spirit taking the word of God and working it into your heart. It's not going to happen any other way. Okay? Peter didn't understand it then. <laughs> he did later, though. Right, they, they all come. And that last little phrase there, and we're done uh, back in, in chapter 13, but he says, Not every one of you. And then verse 11, for he knew who was going to betray him. That why, that's why he said, Not all of you are coming. Okay. And who is that? Judas. Judas. Judas, is, Judas is what we read in chapter 15. Judas is the unfruitful branch, the one remaining. There were a bunch of other unfruitful branches that had already been cut off in chapter 6, right? Remember those guys, the disciples, chapter 6, verse 66, disciples that had left. Why? Because of the things Jesus said. They were offensive. They were offended at what he said. I am the bread from heaven. How can you be the bread from heaven? And then he says, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. Who can who can hear these words, right? And they're offended and they leave, right? What's What's... What's happening there is that the Father is using the words of Jesus to cut off those unfruitful branches. Those people that, that um, at one time claimed to be followers of Jesus, but aren't showing fruit. Okay? It's pretty serious. So there's a good side and a bad side to the word of God in that sense. You know, um, it'll either clean you or cut you. <laughs> right? That's good. Good point. Right. Well, we're... We're done with uh, Sunday school here. Let's close in prayer. Yeah. Thank you. And, uh, a little overtime this morning. Father, uh, really good uh, point that we want to get out of your word here today. And, and uh, so we thank you so much for your word. Amen. Um, but there is a sense in which it is not good news for those who are dead uh, and those who refuse to listen to the Holy Spirit 
So I pray that that, that would not be true of us this morning either, and that, that as your word is opened and that your Holy Spirit would work it into our hearts as only you can. Thank you for the washing, again, of the water of the word. We need this on a regular, routine basis because we do get dirty as we walk through this world. But we need your, your word to wash, as it were, wash our feet again, renew our minds, uh, even today, with it. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.